1625. This is the business of sports. Business of sports. From the Economic Times. And Germany are the world champions who have come from two goals down for the third consecutive game. But this time, they've done it in the championship match and they are the World Cup winners for 2023. I mean, I was on top of my voice shouting because you support the underdog, right? But Germany came out of nowhere. The Hockey World Cup has concluded and Germany are the new world champions for the first time since 2006. They beat defending title holders Belgium in a tightly contested final that was decided by a penalty shootout and sudden death. Jean-Paul Danberg, the hero for Germany! Danenberg, who played the game of his life in the shootout, getting the last one, getting his body in line and palming that ball. Brilliant stuff. The success of this Hockey World Cup can be attributed to four key stakeholders. The government of Odisha and the tremendous work they're doing in creating state-of-the-art infrastructure for hockey and other sports. The Indian and International Hockey Federations for bringing the biggest tournaments and the best players for the second consecutive World Cup to Odisha. Private corporations like Tata Steel, who run the Naval Tata High Performance Centre for Hockey, that is nurturing top talent in the sport with best-in-class facilities, coaching, nutrition, and everything needed to create a culture of elite hockey. And of course, the fans. The environment of the stadium was incredible. It was electric. People in the state of Odisha are hockey mad. Whether it was the taxi driver who picked me up from Bhubaneswar Airport, or the person serving me lunch, everyone in Odisha is fiercely proud of their hockey heritage. And they couldn't stop talking about the upcoming semi-finals and finals, even though India had been knocked out around earlier. New Zealand have beaten India in a shootout, and it is despair for India. Their wait for World Cup reward goes on. There's a real passion for the sport here. And this is best reflected by understanding the story of the little-known district of Sundargarh, the real cradle of hockey in India. Sundargarh district has produced some of the best players historically for India, including the legendary Dilip Tirki, who is the current president of Hockey India, as well as current players Amit Rohidas and Nilam Sanjeev Zess. I was fortunate to spend a few hours at the Navaltada High Performance Centre for Hockey, where I sat in for a classroom session on nutrition for the under-16 girls squad. At the end of the session, I asked the students how many of them were from Sundargarh district. A resounding 90% of them raised their hands. And this is a reflection of how many of Odisha's professional players are also from Sundargarh district. Raurkela is the largest city within Sundargarh, where the Odisha government has invested over a thousand crores towards the Birsa Munda hockey stadium and larger sports facilities for athletics and other sports. They've also created an Olympic-style village that includes residential facilities and gyms of the highest standards. On today's episode, our first guest is R. Vanil Krishna, Commissioner, Secretary, Sports and Youth Services Department, Government of Odisha. Our discussion began with understanding who drives the vision to make Odisha a sports hub and how hockey plays a key role in that mission. We take a look at the investment made by the Odisha government towards sporting infrastructure and how they are prepared to play the long game 
to achieve the desired outcomes. It's just the vision of our Honorable Chief Minister, Naveen Patnaik, who has given this overall ambition that we should become one of the leading sports hub in the country. And his vision for the youth especially, where he feels sports is one of the main platforms through which youth development will take place. And also his vision for hockey especially, given that sentiment that is there towards hockey across the Indian minds, that it is our national game, even though it's not notified as such anywhere. His full encouragement and motivation to the sports persons through giving them jobs, giving them the cash awards, supporting them financially for their training, for their competitions, and his investment in sports through the government budget itself. We are spending almost like 2,500 crores in terms of various sports infrastructure projects. So, so all these combined together is what driving what you are seeing today in Odisha. So apart from hockey, of course, we also focus on many other sports which you have seen today in the Kalinga Sports Complex. Yes. So, so this entire thing about sports in Odisha comes from the vision of the Chief Minister. And every state has its own context, its own uh, issues to deal with. In Odisha specifically, we are, we are one of the best fiscally managed state in the country. Odisha has been awarded as such. So we are in a much better financial position as such. And while we take good care of all the social welfare schemes and everything, we are still in a comfortable position to invest in sports. And investment in sports is in a long-term perspective to, to create that healthy, fitness-oriented, sports-oriented society. And also to look at how do we build a credible reputation of the state in the field of sports. And therefore, we are definitely in a position where we are spending not only hundreds of crores now, now it's in thousands of crores in terms of sports infrastructure, in terms of the sports coaching, competitions, big events like uh, what we are organizing, World Cups. We have done not only the Hockey World Cup, which is currently going on, but we were also the venue for FIFA Under-17 Women's World Cup and so many national and uh, international championships which we support. So overall, this is all going towards creating that sports ecosystem whereby the sports persons will thrive, not only bringing laurels to the state, but also to the country at large. Some of the burning questions, whenever there are large investment made towards sporting infrastructure, especially for big one-off events, what is the legacy plan for that infrastructure? And how is it going to be utilized once the event concludes? Today, Odisha can boast of two state-of-the-art sports complexes in Bhubaneswar and Raurkela that came at the cost of over 2,000 crore rupees. How are these complexes going to be utilized through the year to benefit people in the state and the rest of the country? So the assets that have been created, the stadiums that have been created are the best in the world. And not only in terms of the players, spectators, for everybody involved. And these assets are not the assets of only government of Odisha. These are the national assets. These are the assets of the world of hockey. So the, we are we are constantly discussing with FIH. So FIH also looks at these as their own assets. So in fact, FIH President Mr. Taya Bikram keeps telling that the keys of these two stadiums are with him. What he means to say that he will organize more tournaments here. So one is using these stadiums in terms of bringing the best of hockey to India. But it's at the same time on a day-to-day -day basis, these stadiums are going to be utilized for various coaching purposes. If you see Kalinga Stadium as such, the same question was asked when we did the 2018. What after 2018? What are you going to do with this big stadium? It's going to be a big white elephant. But you see that it is already being utilized not just for events, 
we have conducted maybe maybe six seven big international events the pro league the qualifiers the 10 nation tournaments and all that so throughout the year the competitions happen here second the same facilities are being utilized for the coaching purposes both for our high performance men and women the state teams even the beginners who wants to learn hockey those hockey clubs have been started here and also the coaches certification programs the same kalinga stadium is also utilized for the coaches certification program at various levels regularly so what we are doing here in kalinga stadium will also be done in rorkela and rorkela is in the heart of the hockey in odisha that is a area that is a heartland of hockey in odisha and therefore we have absolutely no doubts that this infrastructure which has been created will be maintained and it will be optimally be utilized on a day to day basis so already rorkela is one of the main sports hub you have seen the birsamunda hockey stadium there is another birsamunda athletic stadium also which will be inaugurating very shortly in a month or so so that has athletics football swimming then there is an indoor stadium just opposite to the hockey stadium another indoor stadium is coming which is going to be our gymnastic center Right. so so multiple we are we are we have plans to construct more such facilities to cater to all other sports as well whatever we have created the infrastructure this is for the country so whichever national federations comes to us we we said that this is your venue you come and utilize whenever you want we will fully support and many of them come forward and utilize the state of odisha has been quite successful in implementing the public private partnership model in sports corporate india has a major role to play for the development of sports in the country and we get to see this model take shape in odisha the biggest example of that is the naval tata high performance center for hockey that is based at the kalinga sports complex bhubaneswar which also happens to be one of two venues where the hockey world cups being hosted will we see this model replicated in the rest of the country so the state government is very very clear that sports has to be a partnership it cannot be individual efforts it cannot be only sports department doing something or tatas doing something on their own this maybe it will yield some result but it will not be the best way forward so therefore the the whole vision of the chief minister is to how do we bring together different stakeholders in the society and try to leverage the strengths that they bring in so if you typically look at our model of partnership with the corporates is that you know the kind of money the government can spend on sports for sports infrastructure no other corporate can spend but our money can go into the infrastructure creating the kind of facilities that will be required for for the sports persons or for competitions that nobody else can do so that only the governments will be able to do it but if you look at coaching coaching is something that is a it's a very dynamic thing it cannot be like today we we put together some coaches and everything will be fine and they will give great result it's something that has to be assessed every now and then and take uh, suitable measures so that kind of a flexibility is not present in the government systems obviously there are some procedural requirements which may not be quick enough for the sports field also the sports is different sports fields are there different games are there so in typically in the government it becomes very difficult to recognize that uh, differences between different sports and cater to those uh, we can do it but it can be slow and not to catch up with the speed which is required and therefore hockey is a good example we give we the entire infrastructure maintenance here in the kalinga stadium while the tatas they bring in the entire coaching part so take care of end to end of what is required for the for the hockey players 
who are in the high performance center so so this is how we'll be and if they have to do it on their own also there will be issues in and there's a lot of expenditure involved in competitions also so we are able to partner with them bring more competitions send our own teams to various competitions so that expenditure we take care of it so it's a relation and this has just started over the last 3 4 years unfortunately there were 2 years of covid also in this so we are yet to see that level of results we are quite convinced about this model of for the sports field and looking at our commitment the commitment of honorable chief minister and the credibility of the uh, odisha government in partnerships with various uh, stakeholders uh, we are now having many other corporates who are wanting to uh, partner with the state government because sports is something that whenever olympics happen it's humiliating for india that uh, we have to start uh, if we get a bronze medal we are also elated and uh, happy uh, and then it's always a disappointment whatever number of medals we get it is still a disappointment and i don't know for how many more decades we need to uh, go through this so therefore the corporates the people who are willing to spend on sports they also want to they are looking for opportunities where their money will be best spent and uh, in that we are fortunate because of the years of uh, uh, our own uh, hard work and and the credibility of honorable chief minister that his commitment towards sports and his governance model we are having lot many interest from the corporates to invest in sports and partner with odisha and do something in bhubanesh our next guest is mr chanakya chotri vice president corporate services at tata steel he speaks to my colleague oday jhala speaking about how corporates can play a big role in nurturing elite talent for sports in india chanakya thank you so much for joining us on the show we're obviously in the midst of the hockey world cup at the moment and taraskil is one of the chief backers and sponsors what has that connection been like for taraskil especially with hockey in terms of what are the specific types of investment involvement that tata steel has with hockey over the years so hockey we were supporting earlier also but in a manner of some team somewhere will support but in 2016 17 we decided to set up a hockey academy and we set up a company with tata trusts and we had the first residential hockey academy in jamshedpur called the naval tata hockey academy and in 2018 and 19 we set it up in bhubaneswar and in bhubaneswar in orissa when we set it up it was along with government of orissa so it was tata trust tata steel and government of orissa where government of orissa gave us the infrastructure and the program is being run and managed by us so we run about five residential academies and one of them is hockey which is in in some way one of the newer ones to be set it up 6 7 years back so we have now two operating academies one in jamshedpur jharkhand one in orissa so i think that's the kind of support or the promotion of hockey at the connection with tata steel because of the grassroots programs taking shape i think it has got revived and what has also made it revive is i think a very strong initiative by government of orissa something which they have really thought through and they are doing it well for various sports not only hockey but let's talk about hockey so they have spent a lot of money on setting up sports infrastructure which i think is a great thing a, a state can do because government if it has the funds and it has the will can set up good infrastructure and they have rightfully decided that they can't be running the programs there 
So they have roped in corporates who can actually pick up sport, any sport that you think you want to support and run the programs for them. So the hockey is just an example where they have actually roped us in saying, okay, you are setting up this academy. Now you run the program for us. And they saw that we were running it in Jamshedpur and they said, why don't you set it up? Bhubaneswar and we'll give you the hockey stadium and we'll give you the hostels and stuff like that. And what you see is only that part. But what you don't see is behind it. So there's a huge grassroots program which is running uh, alongside in various districts of Orissa where, again, there are astroturfs getting set up, where there are coaches getting selected, where there are boys and girls getting selected and getting trained. So there's a selection process, there is a training going on and that becomes a feeder for you know the districts and the state level to come in to even for our own academy so there is a huge ecosystem which gets set up and i think urisa is doing it in a very very organized and methodical manner and it gives a huge i will say philip to the sport itself what is in it then for someone like tata steel or any of the private players that get involved in terms of roi do you look at it as something that will you get a return on investment from a monetary standpoint or is it only defined by success stories on the field and that's what you're actually aiming towards? Well, from a Tata Steel standpoint, I don't think we're looking at an ROI from an investment perspective that I spent X, X crore rupees and this is the investment and this is the ROI. No, I don't think so. I think from our work ethos and our whole, you know, the way we are structured as an organization and being a part of Tata Group, I think it's our endeavor to ensure that people from all walks of life get an inclusive life. And wherever we operate, so Tharkand, Orissa is our play field. That's where we operate. All our production centers are there. Mining is there. Steel making is there. So there are communities where we engage. There are communities where we live. Actually, these are our communities. I'll not say this is the community I engage with. No, I'm a part of this community, which is Jharkhand, Orissa. And it is somewhere in our DNA that where you exist and where you survive and where you thrive, you cannot create islands of excellence. You have to spread that island of excellence to reach everyone's life, impact everyone's life. Now, you know, sports is something which in earlier era was all about a game. You know, you go watch, come back, and that's it. Today's sport is even seen as livelihood. When I talk about the grassroots programs that we do, imagine the kind of employment it generates. Mm. There are groundkeepers. There are people who are actually sending their children who get trained. There are coaches who get selected. And some of these kids make sports as their employment or a livelihood thing. Some of them become administrators. Some of them will become you know, physiotherapists and so on and so forth. And this creates a huge lifeline for the whole system. Over and above that, it brings in a lot of inclusivity as that goes as an intangible, if I may say so. But I think that's what uh, is the ROI, if you really ask me. And in terms of how budgets and finances are allocated towards the investment of sport and hockey and all of the other academies and grassroots, how is that defined within a company of the size of Tata Steel, deciding how much of that is allocated towards different sports and how that's broken up 
does it fall under CSR or is it its own beast entirely? No, so there, there, are, there are two parts to it. Uh, some portion comes under CSR for sure. And some is normal level general administration budget, which is allocated annually. But yes, so what I want to mention to you is that there are these five academies which we run, football, hockey, athletics. We've set up very recently something called under the Adventure Foundation, something called the Sports Climbing, which is also a Olympic sport now. And that's the newest academy that I can think of. Archery is there, which is doing well. Apart from that, we have about 19 or 20 training centers, sports training centers across our operating locations. Even if I look at everything put together, some 2,000 to 3,000 players or children participate in those training. So, you know, you have badminton and you have uh, wrestling and you have boxing and, you know, those kind of training centers. So all the operating budgets for these training centers is done through the general administration, which is a regular budget. The academies are managed through the CSR funds. Now, those are allocated accordingly. But having said that, I want to say that companies' performance depends on a lot of other factors. Company will start a steel, uh, how the steel markets are doing, how the steel industry is doing, and so on and so forth. I have not seen anywhere till late our budgets getting cut. Our plans are made. We put them up for approval and they are approved on both ends, whether it's the administrative budget or whether it's the CSR budget. And I think that only goes to speak volumes about how the company's management and the vision of the organization has carried us through for the last 115 years. Great. And finally, just bringing it back down to the current edition of the World Cup, what's been your take on this version so far in terms of the response, in terms of how everything's been organized? Has there been a steady progression, you know, going from the, the last few World Cups that you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. I think 2018 and now 2022 or early 23. So I was witness to the previous one. I have witness to this one. So I'll tell you something very unique which has happened, which is beyond the play. Okay. Now, again, credit and all the appreciation for government of Orissa to have decided that. They decided that it's not only Bhubaneswar, they'll also set up uh, some games in, in Raukila. So how did Raukila change? That's another piece for someone else to pick up. Hmm. Raurkela suddenly got the boost or a vaccine to start looking good infrastructure-wise for sports. A new stadium got set up, a new village got set up, and so on and so forth. Some 130 or 140 rooms got set up for the players to go there. So, And uh, the airport connectivity started in Raurkela. You know, it's not only hockey which has got promoted here. It's about a lot of other things which got settled. Yeah. So you have an airport coming in, flights have started. Sorry, they are smaller numbers, but they can grow. A new stadium has come up, the village has come up, and that is now buzzing. That's how the activity, economic activities grow. And coming to the way the sport has, or the World Cup has got organized this time is amazing. I, I, I was there for a day. I was there for the on the 19th when I saw the match. I was witness to the England-Spain and then the India and Wales match that evening. And I think it was fantastic. Our final guest on today's episode is Mr. Thierry Wheel, CEO at the International Hockey Federation. My discussion with Thierry 
began with understanding how he felt about the latest Hockey World Cup that was held in Odisha and whether it had met all the standards of the most important tournament in the sporting calendar for hockey. Yeah, it's going extremely well. It's, uh, we're enjoying it. Uh, players, which is more important, are enjoying it. Uh, this great atmosphere, those uh, fans in those stadiums, which are supporting definitely the Indian team, but also all other teams. So it is for players and for us an exceptional experience. We can definitely say so, because all what we have expected have happened, even exceeded, been exceeded based on what we originally planned to have this second World Cup in a row here in India, because we have been here in 2018. So all those standards have been met. The teams are here. The games are fantastic. The production with certain angles and cameras, which we usually do not really have in hockey. So high slow motion cameras, uh, drones, uh, spider cams, that actually shows the beauty, the beautiness of our game. Our next point of discussion was about how hockey is sometimes perceived as a not-so-television-friendly sport and how the sport can evolve as a product for television and how that can help attract a whole new set of fans to the sport. Whether it is smaller-sided games or tweaks to the rules, how can hockey innovate to be a sport for the future? It's true that it's not as friendly as other sports. It's not as easy to produce as other sports. And it's also true that our sport is not... Currently, it's not in a position to use the same facilities as football, by example. When they have a World Cup, they produce with 36 cameras. Yeah? Are we having 10 uh, or 12? So that is where, and if you then go down to the, the leagues or the international competitions, it's even less than that. So the game, yes, it's true. It's not so easy to bring on TV, but... That's what I feel, and I'm sure this time we prove that it can be done. With this World Cup, with the quality of pictures you see, with the moments when you have some video referrals, with the slow motion camera, remember this one uh, within the eight seconds or not in the eight seconds, it's always a big debate and hard to define. We demonstrated literally at the point when it crossed the line that it was actually a goal. And those kind of things and the close-ups and the replays and the spider cam from the top helps a lot to understand the game. It is complicated, but once we have the instrument and the, the, the financial possibilities, then you can see we can do it. So that gives us a good key learning here. And this gives also actually the way forward, what we need to do, where it's important to spot on and how should we produce the game for making it more visible, more accessible to fans. For your format, you know that we now have, it, it, it happened already in the past, so hockey fives. So, but now we, from an international point of view, we have given them a push because we have now a World Cup 24 coming up. So where countries are now playing the qualifiers to participate. And I personally strongly believe in the hockey fives. Because first of all, you have the size of the field is much smaller. So you can go in parties and in areas where you cannot go with hockey 11, just from the space you need. You can go somewhere central in the city. You can introduce it better to schools. You, it's less costly. And there, coming to your rules point, um, 
the rules are simple. For somebody who has never watched, which is not the case in India, but if you go to a country like my own country in France, hockey is played a little bit in a certain area, but in the rest, nobody knows. If you show them a leather side game, penalty corners, what is that? High balls, what is that? Uh, why do they suddenly stop, stop playing, you know, because what is happening there? Uh, wrong stick uh, side. Yeah, uh, uh, so there's a, a lot of things. I mean, I think it's not to diminish the value of hockey 11s, but you need to bring people into the sport. And what is better than to bring them in if they go on a field of play, which is small, with a couple of friends, and the basic rule is, okay, you can only use one side of your stick, and you have to score more goals than others. And you cannot not shoot goals from behind the middle line. It's quite simple. And for spectators, it's simple too. And that's where we need to get to. We need to get a pathway we need to find to get people into the sport. And then you will have some people who will stay in this format because they just like it and love it, which is good for us. And then you will have the others who will say, okay, now it's time for me to go into the big game. We have uh, no excuse anymore to say, you know, that there is other ways to show it to fans. Uh, there are good ways and to attract more fans, because that's also an angle where we need to look at it. Why are not more fans of hockey watching the game? This is our big question today. What will it actually take to revive the sport of hockey? Where does the investment need to go? And what are the core foundations of being successful at the sport as a nation and to grow hockey in a sports mad country like India. We also find out if there's a new league in the works directly from the CEO of the International Hockey Federation. The investment, what you need to do, because it is not just to invest in a good coach, it's not just to invest in a good player. It is far more than that. I mean, what Odisha has done actually here, it's a huge investment, not only in the two facilities we now have, which gives a good legacy for hockey for big tournaments, but also they have invested a lot in grassroots of hockey. You know, in bringing kids to it, giving them the right resources, giving them the materials, bringing them to the sport, educating them on our values, on the respect part, and all those kind of things. So it is a complete general one, and that applies definitely to India, but it applies also to all other countries. And you see those countries who have done it, let's say like Belgium, they started 15 years ago, literally from nothing, and today they are world champions. 12 years ago, they could not even beat the B team of Netherlands, the Belgium first team, and today they are world champions. So it is a journey which needs to take on, which Odisha was starting to do, and, it, and is doing really, really well. But again, we need to do, I think what also is missing, if I, uh, if I could say so with my humble view, is that there is a, a, a hockey league in India is missing. It's, it's a league missing, and again, with my humble view, I would like to say but the league has to be constituted by Indian in, uh, clubs from India with Indian players. Yeah. What you don't need, you don't need formal good players from other countries to come. Your players are excellent. You need to give, give them more time to practice. You need to give them more time to play. 
You need to make sure that there is a rivalry between players to motivate themselves. So that's what I think it's needed. And I think that's what, so what I heard Hockey India is planning to do, which is an excellent news uh, because you compare a little bit those countries who are playing really, really well in uh, hockey and on the highest level. Most of them, they all have leagues. And for the final part of our discussion, we examine some of the other domestic league models that have been successful in countries like the Netherlands. India's attempt at a domestic hockey league in the past got a mixed response and eventually did not manage to sustain itself. We discuss how important broadcast revenue is for the financial sustainability of the sport. Just to let you know that a league like Netherlands, which is most probably one of the most structured, the best functioning uh, hockey league, currently we have, the games are not, not all, just a few games are televised. So the the income, what they do financially is definitely not on broadcast. So where their income comes from is mainly from members. They have a huge number of membership in hockey. Because they have the players, they have the parents, they have even the grandparents who played the, the one. They have then also a good set of sponsors, you know, hockey lovers. Uh, so I, I, I do believe you need to, and that is a little bit the chicken egg, egg, as you said. What do you do first? You first have the business allowing you to start, or you first need to start to get the business. And it's definitely the second one. It's definitely you need to start. You need to start to set it up and you need then to, then you will find quickly out that those guys who are hockey lovers, they will be there to help financially. And then you will also have step by step, you will have the TV coming in. Because you'll see what, I mean, you have, I don't know how many channels you have in India. It's a, for me, it's a, a I've spent my time to switch from one channel to other when I'm in, in India. But you have a lot of sports there which today, hockey is most probably the last, or not the last, but one of those which are not that shown that frequently. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. And please do like, share and follow. The Business of Sports is now streaming on Amazon Music and GeoSavan, apart from Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, the Economic Times website, and of course, ET's very own audio platform, ET Play. A big shout out to the team at Offspin Media Friends for their great work on the sound design and production of the show. And thanks to our producers Vinay Joshi and the team at the Economic Times. Thanks for listening. And we will be back with a new episode at the same time every week. All clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits mentioned in the description.